Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 September-born actors in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? Yes, it's time for another uh, edition of the top 10 actors based on the month of their births. And this is a looks like a pretty good month to me uh it's it's more so good because of the p- names not necessarily the placement they are in the overall rankings uh relatively a much lower overall rankings month than most others but uh at the end of the day like these are some pretty big names and uh some pretty talented actors in my opinion so uh let's uh let's just get right back right into this um first things first a few honorable mentions people who uh didn't make this list but names that are very well known you've got martin freeman uh, watson to cumberbatch's sherlock uh, and bilbo baggins in the hobbit you've got birdman himself michael keaton uh, both of them in the top 15 but missing the top 10 Uh, philip baker hall generally character actor beth grant also more of a supporting role character. Uh, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights uh, or mm, uh, that Netflix show Bloodline. Uh, a little further down the way, you've got Tommy Lee Jones, Mark Hamill, Zoe Kazan, Tom Felton, Draco Malfoy, uh, Anthony Mackie, uh, Marianne Cotillard, Cotillard. And uh, rounding out the list, I'm going to go with um, Sam Neill, Jurassic Park's own Sam Neill. But those are not the people we're here to really go into. We have an eclectic list of names to jump in here. We've got 10 big Hollywood names. uh, And uh, let's let's go headfirst into number 10. This person was born September 27th, 1972. Uh, They are ranked 202nd overall, pretty low for a top 10 of the month placement. Uh, I've seen 21 films from this person with an average film rating of 65.29. They are pretty evenly distributed, uh, maybe tiny bit top heavier. Uh, They've managed to avoid having too many bad movies. And they are nominated and have won a single Oscar with a value of 30. That puts their total score at 97.29. And that is none other than the uh, gorgeous Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, wife to Iron Man, uh, star and Oscar winner of Shakespeare in Love. And most recently, I believe, featured in Spider-Man Homecoming. She has a small cameo towards the end of the film. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, like I said, 21 films is pretty solid uh, until you break down how many of those are Marvel films. You've got Iron Man, The Avengers, uh, 
Spider-Man Homecoming, Iron Man 3, and Iron Man 2. Uh, so five of her films, so 25% of the filmography of hers that I've seen is Marvel, uh, which is a significant portion, uh, but she does have a, uh, you know at least that many fil- good films that aren't Marvel films. Uh, looking at her best film, which is Seven, uh, you also move uh, into the 80s range where you have uh, Emma, the talented Mr. Ripley, the Royal Tannenbaums. She's fantastic in that. Uh, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow is a film I think is is vastly underrated by so many people. And of course, Shakespeare in Love, uh, Best Picture winner. Definitely uh, a bit overrated at its time, but I still think it is quite a, a great movie, all in all. Uh, sliding down further the list uh, into the 60s and 50s range, uh, the musical Country Strong, Proof, Pootie Tang, uh, Hard Eight, uh, and Hook as well. Uh, some more films that are decent to, to good and then her, her bad films for me, Thanks for Sharing, Bounce, and her awful films, View from the Top, and Mordecai. Uh, so some awful, some bad films here, but but nothing too disastrous all in all. Uh, you know, I think uh, I'm also missing a film here. or Or maybe I've just misnamed a film what is happening to me now um oh there are two films okay i'm gonna have to take a look at this let's see here okay looking at this i've got 21 films from gwyneth paltrow and i have 21 films seen from her on letterboxd which is why I wasn't really thinking that I'd messed anything up there. But I definitely don't have Contagion down for her. Nor do I have Glee the Concert movie. Uh, she's definitely in Contagion. Or did I say Contagion? No, I did say Contagion. I have Contagion. I definitely don't have Glee, though. All right, Contagion was a misfire. Glee is for sure... Not there. And so the question is, what movie do I have that's actually not on this list? So, Bounce, Country Strong, View from the Top. Uh, Let's get Mordecai in there, too. And uh, thanks for sharing. Okay, moving up the bottom. Hook, see it. Hard Eight, yep. Contagion, yes. Iron Man 2, yes. Pootie Tang, Pootie Tang is the one I don't see. Pootie Tang, Pootie Tang, Pootie Tang. Why did I have it? Pootie Tang. Looking at it on Letterboxd, we're doing it good because it's clearly not there. Man, it's been a few, a few months since I've seen... Pootie Tang. Oh, herself archive footage. But I did put her in there, so it must not have been so archival that it was like a different movie. Okay, so I do have to add Glee, though. 
Um, Glee, the 3D concert movie. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So when I, so that actually is probably gonna move her up like five spots. That's how closely some of these people are put together. Uh, so ignore Gwyneth Paltrow for right now, <laughs> and we will return to her shortly. Glee 3D concert movie. All right. Um, all right, gonna update the stats on this real quick here. Hey, you're getting to, you're getting to hear live behind the scenes footage of me fucking things up. <laughs> Where else can you find that? All right, back to business. The real number 10. 10 minutes into the episode. The real number 10 uh, is born September 5th, 1973. He is ranked 198th, just under 200. Uh, I've seen 11 films of his. I've clocked 11 films. He has an average film rating of 74.45, the third highest average film rating of this month's top 10. Uh, and uh, he is very top heavy. Two films in the 90s, three in the 80s, four in the 70s, none in the 60s, one 50s, and one 0 to 24 film. No Oscar nominations, a value of 23 puts his score at 70, 97.45. Uh, and that is none other than Patty Considine. Patty Considine. Uh, perhaps not the most recognizable name. Uh, he is in the Bourne Ultimatum. He plays one of the operators that, it, um, I believe the sniper operator that attacks Jason Bourne. Uh, he is one of the friends of... Simon Pegg in The World's End. He also plays a role in Hot Fuzz. Uh, he was in the, Mike, the Macbeth film starring Michael Fassbender. He was in uh, Richard Ayoade's Submarine, which was quite good. He's in Cinderella Man. Uh, perhaps the first movie I remember seeing him in is In America. Uh, starring Patty, Patty Considine, Samantha Morton, Sarah and Emma Bolger, Jiman Hounsou, uh, that which is also a very good movie. Uh, but his best movie, in my opinion, is My Summer of Love, uh, starring Natalie Press, Emily Blunt, Patty Considine. Um, and uh, it's essentially the story of Mona, Natalie Press, and Tasman, Emily Blunt, who discover that they are exploring each other sexually. And uh, Patty Considine is like, I think, one of their boyfriends or, or husbands. Uh, and I, I think he's suitably horrifying in that role and uh, pretty scary. Not gonna lie, pretty scary. Patty Considine. Uh, so, like I said, My Summer of Love, Submarine, In America, Hot Fuzz, Born Ultimatum, The World's End, uh, The Double, starring uh, Social Network, Jesse Eisenberg, Pride uh, is another one. Uh, where's that on? Is that on here at all? Yes, Pride from 2014, uh, story about um, 
the summer of 1984, uh, Margaret Thatcher was in power at the time. Uh, there was a strike by the National Union of Mine Workers, and uh, they, at the time, the there was a group, uh, there was a gay pride march going on, and the supporters of the gay pride supported uh, the miners and struck up this very fragile but interesting uh, relationship between the two groups. And uh, there's a little conflict there as well. Uh, which so it was, it was a very interesting movie, very very interesting. Macbeth, I mentioned Cinderella Man. Uh, then his only bad movie, his awful movie, uh, is a movie that will come up again on this list actually, and that's Child Forty Four, starring Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, Numi Rapace, Joel Kinnaman, and Patty Considine among others. Uh, Child Forty Four is a very awful uh, crime thriller that just way way too long oh man it is like almost two and a half hours long and it is so over extended and, and just it jaws itself out until it is incredibly boring and unbelievably dissatisfying regardless of how it was going to end uh so all that being said patty constantine uh, he's been around a while and he's I don't know. He, I wouldn't say that he's a very strong actor, but he is good at. He he's played some pivotal roles, and he's very good in them. You know, he's never really led a film. Uh, My Summer of Love's. Well, I guess in America, he's a co-lead, and My Summer of Love, he's he's a very significant supporting performance, uh, and those are two of his better films. And, you know, I'm looking down the list here of the films of his I haven't seen. And I don't see a lot of stuff I'm I'm unfamiliar with, at least films I'm, I've heard of that I haven't seen. You know, Twenty Four Hour Party People is one I, definitely on my list to see, uh, but that's a more of a Steve Coogan thing. He was also in last year's Girl with All the Gifts, which I've heard is quite good, uh, and I'm not sure how big of a role he plays in that. He is listed second behind Gemma Arterton. So that uh, tells me that he's probably pretty significant in it. Uh, looking, sorting by average rating on Letterboxd, uh, two movies come up that weren't previously high on the list. The first is A Room for Romeo Brass. has an average rating of 3.8. Uh, and it's about two boys uh, who undergo who strike up a friendship with Morel, played by Patty Constantine, who's apparently the the older person, and sort of seems like a plot with, seems like the same plot as Mud, uh, the McConaughey film from a couple of years back. And uh, that, so that could be quite good. And uh, the next second one is Dead Man's Shoes. Uh, Patty Constantine seems to be the lead in this as well. Uh, synopsis reads, a soldier returns home to a small town, and exacts a deadly revenge on the thugs who tormented his dim-witted brother while he was away. Um, also starring Toby Kebbell and Joe Hartley. Uh, Dead Man's Shoes. Um, interesting, interesting. A lot of collaborations he's got with uh, director Shane Meadows, who directed both of those films, along with This Is England, uh, This Is England 86, This Is England 90, etc., etc., and a bunch of other films on here as well. 
So I like Patty Considine. Definitely not someone I would general. I would probably put in my top ten uh, September actors. Probably at least half of the names that I put in the honorable mentions I would rank higher than him. But I, I get you know he's he's got a smaller filmography, smaller sample size, and a lot of those films he's he's chosen some very very strong pieces, and that is what's propelled him into the position he's in currently. Now. You know, just looking at this, if each month's top 10 people were in, if the top 10s from all 12 months were currently the top 120 total, you know, he's clearly far outside of that range. Uh, so there are definitely some months hogging up a lot of the lower spaces. But you'll see in the next couple of uh, names and rankings that a very, very small number of points separates him from being. Uh, sixth, uh, sixth on this list, or, or sixth or seventh rather. Uh, but for the moment, Patty Considine is ranked tenth. Um, oh, one more thing before I move on, just to make sure, is if he has unreleased films. Um, sort by newest. Uh, he's going to be in Journeyman. Looks like a boxing movie. Uh, interesting. Movie called Funny Cow, starring Maxine Peake, Petty Constantine, Stephen Graham, among others. Also comes out in 2017. And as well, another film I've been hearing a lot about. I don't know if it's going to be good yet, uh, but it's gotten a couple of good reviews already. And that is The Death of Stalin, uh, starring Steve Buscemi, Jeffrey Tambor, Jason Isaacs, Michael Palin, Petty Constantine, Andrea Riseborough, Olga Kurilenka. Uh, good good cast there, good cast, and I've heard some really good things about this. So uh, he's got he's got a little bit of potential here. You know, he's got some potential for sure. So we'll see if he can cling to his top ten spot or if he'll fall. I don't know. All right, Patty Considine, tenth in September, hundred ninety eighth overall. Moving up just one spot to 197th overall, born September 22nd, 1961. She has uh, clocked 19 films on my spreadsheet for an average rating of 66.47. A little top heavier than Patty Constantine, four films rated in the 90s, four films rated in the 80s, four films rated in the 70s, one in the 60s, one in the 50s, uh, and then five films under 50. A little bit, a little bit more of a low end, but but still an overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly higher top end. Um, but coupled with that lower average film rating, which is the, uh, I believe, about the middle uh, for the month, as far as the top ten goes, leaves uh, leaves her with a 31 value for a total score of 97.47. Or if you're keeping track at home, that's two hundredths of a point higher than Patty Considine. Very, very slim margin. No Oscar nominations or awards. And this is Bonnie Hunt. Bonnie Hunt is part voice actress, part uh, daytime uh, television show mother, uh, part-time television host, uh, part-time comedian. And most of her biggest films are, in fact, voice roles. Looking at Toy Story 3, Zootopia, a Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., uh, 
Monsters University, Cars, Hawaiian Vacation, Cars 2, Cars 3, uh, and and yeah, obviously not all, you know, Cars 2 and Cars 3 I've, I've rated negatively, but, but point stands, about half of her projects that I've seen are uh, just voices. Whereas she's got uh, a handful of uh, solid non-voice role, uh, live action roles, Rain Man, fantastic, Dave, also fantastic, uh, the Green Mile, Stephen King, uh, as well as Jumanji, which I think is a classic kids movie from my time, before my time actually, but I saw it in my time. Uh, Jerry Maguire, uh, pretty pretty under the radar indie called Loggerheads. Uh, looking for it on here, and I don't even see it. Oh yeah, it's way down her list. One of the least popular films of hers. Uh, and then uh, rounding that out are, of the films are Cheer by the Dozens 1, 2, and Beethoven. So not the best to, to bottom for, for, for her there. But uh, definitely some very solid voice work going on here. She's got a nice record with Pixar between Toy Story 3, Bugs Life, Monsters, um, and to a smaller extent, Cars 1. Uh, and then you've also got the... Disney film from last year, Zootopia, which was what really propelled her into this position. You know, Cars 3 only dragged her down. Uh, and those are the last two films of hers that I've seen, uh, to be fair. It's been quite some time since uh, her films have come out. Um, you know, Cars 3, Zootopia. Before that, it was Monsters University. Before that, it was Hawaiian Vacation, which is a Toy Story spinoff. Before that, it was Cars 2. Uh, then it was Toy Story 3. So she's she's been kind of relegated to simply doing voice roles mm, since about the mid-2000s, for the last 10 years at least. And her only upcoming credit on Letterboxd is Toy Story 4, which comes out in 2019. Uh, so looking at some of her films from before the 2010s, before the mid-aughts even, uh, you've got... Uh, some rom-coms here for the most part that's really all she was a part of uh, now and then starring christina ritchie rosie o'donnell uh, thora birch melanie griffith gabby hoffman demi moore wow that's a stacked cast wow um crazy uh only you marissa tomei robert downey jr uh, subway stories tales from the underground uh, Bill Irwin, Christine Lottie, Dennis Leary. It's decently rated on Letterboxd. Uh, Random Hearts, Harrison Ford, Kristen Scott Thomas. It's actually very poorly rated and reviewed on Letterboxd. 2.4 average, very low. Uh, so, uh, Return to Me with David Duchovny and Minnie Driver. Averagely rated at 3.1. Uh, and also directed by Bonnie Hunt, as it turns out. I wasn't even aware that uh, Bonnie Hunt directed at all. Uh, this one, you know, got average rating. So, you know, uh, next up, Kissing a Girl, Kissing a Fool, bad reviews. Uh, so it seems like for the majority of these films, they're going to drag her rating down. Uh, you know, Flash in a Pan, perhaps. You've got Beethoven second on here as well. I just... I don't know. I don't. I don't see this moving in any positive direction, unless 
The only film I watch between now and next year's September Top 10 is Toy Story 4 and or other positively rated films. Uh, but actually, it's not even possible. It doesn't even come out in that time. So yeah, I'm going to predict next ma- next year, no Bonnie Hunt on the top 10. I think that seems mighty likely. And in fact, I would I would almost guarantee it. I think it's a lock. I think it's a lock. Got it. Heard it right here. Uh, but that's Bonnie Hunt, number nine right now, 197th overall. Moving on to number eight, and this one kind of surprises me, uh, but you'll you'll kind of see why in a minute. Uh, he was born September 2nd, 1964, currently ranked 195th overall, 8th in September. I've clocked 28 films of his on the spreadsheet for an average film rating of 63.57, the lowest of the top 10. That I would not have been surprised by. Um, a pretty solid split here, 390 rated films. Four films rated in the 80s, five films rated in the 70s, seven films rated in the 60s, uh, four in the 50s, three in the 25 to 49s, and two in the 0 to 24. So a pretty solid ramp there. Ramps up to the 60s, down after that. Uh, Ends up giving this guy a value of 34, the third highest value out of this top 10, for a score of 97.57, which, if you are keeping a... uh, keeping track at home, is just one-tenth of a point higher than Bonnie Hunt. Uh, So very small margin of error between ranks 10, 9, and 8 so far. And that is none other than Cool Breeze Reeves, Keanu Reeves, uh, Neo, I know, Kung Fu himself. And that may seem a bit surprising when you look at some of the films he's been in. Uh, I'm looking at films like Constantine. Uh, Matrix Reloaded, and Revolutions. Uh, Depending on your opinions, uh, Speed and Point Break. Uh, You've got Knock Knock, which is a 2015 horror film that was dismal. The Day the Earth Stood Still is is awful. The Lake House is bad. Uh, The Replacements is okay. Uh, Young Blood, I think, is really bad too. And so, you know, he's got some pretty bad movies on here. Uh, you know, uh, you can even, I would even throw in, I must have scrolled past it, but The Gift. Uh, I didn't even see it on here. There it is. The Gift from 2000. So, uh, yeah, not not the best. Definitely not the best. But then you realize there's been a lot of films that he's subtly snuck into that, in my opinion, are are fantastic uh you've got john wicks one and two hands down i I think most people agree they're very good uh depending on who you are you might think one is better than two or two is better than one that's whatever uh you've also got the first matrix classic uh the neon demon uh phenomenal film uh speed i think is generally well liked uh you've I kind of mentioned that as the bad one, but like I think speed is generally on the positive side. You've got Keanu from last year as well. Uh, Scanner Darkly, I think, is pretty good. Uh, the Bill and Ted films, I like them both. Uh, to the Bone, which came out this year, I think is okay. Uh, Something's Gotta Give, I thought was decent. 
Hardball, decent. Parenthood, really good. Uh, the Man of Tai Chi, I thought was solid. The Replacements, I think is fine. Um, maybe one that I think a lot of people would forget about is Much Do About Nothing from 93, which is one of my favorite quote-unquote Keanu Reeves films, ranked second. But the, perhaps the most surprising film uh, is actually a documentary in which he is the host slash narrator. And that is Side by Side, uh, a documentary about uh, cinema and directors who work in the industry and, and their own personal opinions on, on the direction it's he excuse me headed. And uh, kind of the disparity between digital and film. And, you know, while this doesn't really require him to act, uh, this is his highest rated film that he is a part of. And that is a big reason why he is in this list. Uh, side by side, I gave it a 96. It is one of my top 100 films. And I think it just provides such an incredibly honest and breath and sort of fascinating view of, of the way that these people in the industry think about the industry. And I, I like that quite a bit. And he is a pivotal element to this film. You know, he is the one there. He is the one directing the conversations, asking the questions. And uh, he's not he's not half bad. Uh, but like I said, side, besides Side by Side, I've got Much Ado About Nothing and John Wick Chapter 2 in his n films right in the 90s. In the 80s, I've got John Wick, The Matrix, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and The Neon Demon. Jumping down to the 70s, you've got Parenthood, Matrix Reloaded, Scanner Darkly, Man of Tai Chi, rounding it out with Matrix Revolutions. I'm pretty high on the Matrix sequels, probably higher than most. Uh, I haven't seen them in quite some time, though, so perhaps a little bias there. Followed up with Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, The Replacements, Hardball, Something's Gotta Give, Keanu, Speed, and Point Break, uh, rounding out his 19 films rated in the positive, which is quite a good number, as it turns out. Uh, in fact, I would actually say that you would have to get up to the... There's only one other person on this list with a higher number of positively rated films. And that is because uh, he, he, that's why he has such a high value. And so, you know, Keanu Reeves, looking at some of the films of his I haven't seen, there's definitely a lot of room to drop. You've got Devil's Advocate, 47 Ronin, last year's The Bad Batch, The Animatrix, um, Dangerous Liaisons, I've, I've heard is quite good though. So again, another film that could actually improve him. Uh, but then you've got Johnny Mnemonic, River's Edge, Street Kings, uh, Thumbsucker, Chain Reaction with Morgan Freeman has a very, very dismal rating. Sweet November with Charlize Theron has a sub three average rating on Letterboxd. Uh, then a ton of films here towards the bottom. Uh, even Cowgirls Get the Blues, The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. I've never even heard of these movies. I Love You to Death, 1990. A Walk in the Clouds, Little Buddha, it sounds awful, Feeling Minnesota, Permanent Record, Babes in Toyland, Generation Um, what a terrible title, The Night Before, uh, The Matrix Revisited, uh, 
jeez. Uh, um, the Last Time I Committed Suicide, Brotherhood of Justice, Tune In Tomorrow. There's a lot. Of, My Own Private River. There's a ton of movies here. The Prince of Pennsylvania. What is this? I, I don't even understand some of these movies. Uh, you know, and, and you know, I, I definitely, definitely see, foresee a drop in, in Keanu Reeves' future. You know, I, I think there are a couple here that are probably good to decent, but I think the vast majority are, are very bad. And I think the only thing that might be able to save him uh, is definitely having to watch Dangerous Liaisons by next year, but uh, is maybe not for next year, but for the year after that, John Wick Chapter 3. I am so excited for this movie, and I think that it's going to be, I, I can't, I can't contain myself. You know, the ending to two, chapter two is so perfect to set up another movie. I think my mind might explode. Hopefully, hopefully the people, hopefully Chad Stahelski is not, and, and the writers apparently, Derek Kolstad, I hope they are not so burned out from the first two movies that they're going to run out of things to do. Please, please be as original and unique in the third part as they are in the first and second. That is my hope. Uh, I don't know what else he's got coming out between now and then. I'm sure he's got a couple of films on the way. Uh, I'm looking at it here. He's got a film called Replicas coming out next year, as well as a film called The Modern Ocean, uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe, Chloe Grace, Chloe Grace Moretz, Jeff Goldblum, Tom Holland, Anne Hathaway, Asa Butterfield, Shane Carruth. That is a cast directed by Shane Carruth. Okay, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Shane Carruth, he hasn't, he can't do wrong. I, maybe, maybe I'm sleeping on Keanu Reeves. Maybe he is going to stay in this top 10. It, it I guess it kind of depends on how deep I delve into his filmography outside of, uh, outside of what comes up, what what's new coming out. And, uh, I probably will try to dive into it to be fair to everybody else on this list. So, uh, if he is in this top 10, it's going to be a much different top 10. You know, as I'm predicting for Bonnie Hunt and Patty Considine to drop off, I think Keanu Reeves has to, might have a chance to stay on just due to necessity at that point. So Keanu Reeves, I really like him. Definitely as an actor, he's not going to be in your top 10. As an action star, he's probably one of the better ones out there, even now, even as old as he is, he's 53 and he looks fantastic. He is like, I'm starting to falter believing Matt Damon and Tom Cruise as they're getting older. But my belief in Tom and in Keanu Reeves has not faltered one bit. Uh, he is brilliant as John Wick. And I hope he can just keep pushing those out. And I hope he, uh, I mean, he doesn't age. You've seen his face. It's the exact same face it was 30 years ago. Keanu Reeves, 8th in September, 195th overall. Moving up to number 7. Uh, this guy was born September 7th, 1966. Uh, he's currently ranked 192nd overall uh, within 
Average film rating of 65.74. I have seen 23 films that he is tagged in. Uh, he is very rated 80s heavy. Uh, he's got one film rated in the 90s, 10 films rated in the 80s, two in the 70s, and three in the 60s. Uh, throw in a film from the rated in the 50s and three films each rated in the 25 to 49 and 0 to 24 range, coupled with no Academy Award nominations, gives him a value of 32. Uh, add it all together, and you've got a score of 97.74. That puts him 17 hundredths of a point ahead of Keanu Reeves. Or, to do a little bit more math, the difference between number 10 Patty Considine and number 7 Toby Jones is approximately 29 hundredths of a point. It's a very, very low number. Uh, perhaps the lowest number we've seen, like they're only six spots different in the overall rankings. And, you know, that's that's a hefty, hefty, uh, that's that's a precarious position. You know, it, it's it seems nice, like when something like Gwyneth Paltrow happens, one movie that bumps you up by like two tenths of a point is going to push you up like four spots in the monthly rankings. But on the same, on the flip side, a movie that bumps you down two points could drop you down that same number of spots, and uh, that is kind of scary. So all these people kind of like jockeying for position right here, and I think this is the person who has the highest chance to push through and take control, and that is Toby Jones. Toby Jones. Uh, like I mentioned, 23 films that I've seen him in. Uh, it is insane to think that he is younger than Keanu Reeves. He looks like he could be Keanu Reeves' dad almost, in ages anyway. Uh, but he is younger than Keanu Reeves. Uh, he has had the good fortune to be in multiple uh, blockbuster franchises, including Harry Potter, uh, Captain America, and The Hunger Games. This year he was in Atomic Blonde, and he's also been in such fantastic films such as Naked, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, The Adventures of Tintin, Finding Neverland, uh, My Week with Marilyn, Muppets Most Wanted, Frost Nixon, uh, Orlando, um, and... Uh, I guess uh, I guess that's it. There's a couple other films here. Uh, St. Trinian's 1 and 2. Uh, generally not too good. Serena, not that great. Your Highness was a huge miss. Uh, My Week with Marilyn. Tale of Tales. I guess My Week with Marilyn is fine. Scoop, I was not a big fan of. Alice Through the Looking Glass was not very good. Snow White and the Huntsman was not very good. Uh, so... You know he's had a lot of big make miss uh, a lot of big hits, a few misses, and ultimately has done pretty pretty well. And there are quite a and there are a handful of really highly well rated films of his I still have not seen, uh, including The Mist, Happy End, Journeys and uh, Elizabeth the First, The Painted Veil, uh, and Marvelous. Uh, Marvelous is a soccer football movie where he looks like he's a coach. Uh, looking at films, other films of his, a lot of these I'm not really recognizing. Anthropoid from last year, uh, Amazing Grace, 
this year's The Snowman yet to come out, but he is in it. Uh, it's gotten solid reviews, but again, it's not out yet, so it's tough to tell. Uh, but then you get down, you know, he's in the next Jurassic World movie. Sure to make a lot of money. Uh, curious to know whether or not it will be better. Hopefully it's better. Looking down further. Uh, he was in W from 2008. I've heard that's pretty awful. Also in 2008, City of Ember. Uh, Virginia. The Girl. Morgan from last year, I've heard is not very good. Red Lights from 2012, I've heard is not very good. The Right from 2011. Dad's Army from 2016. He's got some bad ones in here too. Uh, he's not... He's not safe. You know, I do think of the four people in this small range, he is the most likely to come out on top come next year, but he is just as at risk as anybody else. I think he has a better better ceiling, but just as risky a floor in terms of point values. Uh, I mentioned, you know, with 10 films right in the 80s, that's higher than anybody else on this list. And um, it's one of the highest values overall, to be honest. Um, you know, what he needs, you know, his his only film rated above the 80s is Naked, starring David Thewlis. Uh, and then once you get into the 80s, you've got Harry Potter and Marvel and Hunger Games movies. Throw in a Frost Nixon and a Finding Neverland and a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, an Atomic Blonde, you're good. Good to go. Uh, you know, I think Toby Jones is a very good actor. You know, I, I would love to see him really get a chance to to lead a movie. I don't think he's really done that. At least definitely not something big enough to, to get a lot of uh, respect and perspective on it. But maybe it'll happen. You know, like I said, he's younger than Keanu Reeves. He's 51. So there's there's still time. There's still time. Uh, Toby Jones probably would not make my top 10. Uh, for the month either, as most of these people wouldn't. Uh, I don't think any of these names would make my personal top 10 yet, uh, but you cannot argue with, with the value. You know, that's just just how the spreadsheet works, unfortunately. Not unfortunately, but, but you know, just, just uh, it doesn't do exactly what you want it to do, I guess I would say. So, Toby Jones, number seven in the month, September, number 192 overall. Next up at number six, we have, as I mentioned before, born on September 27th, 1972, Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, so I've already kind of gone into a lot of her movies. So uh, we'll keep this a little shorter than generally speaking. Uh, I mentioned that she was an Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning actress, uh, both for her perform uh, for her performances uh, performance uh, in Shakespeare in Love, and uh, now at the appropriate the appropriate score of ninety eight point four one, average film rating of sixty five point four one. She has the second lowest average film rating. With 22 credits to her name, she is ranked 170th overall. Uh, and I mentioned that a lot of her positive films have come from uh, Marvel films of late. And it looks like that's going to be kind of continuing as she is slated to appear in both 
of the next two Avengers films, uh, Infinity War and whatever they rename Infinity War Part 2 into. However, <clears throat> looking at some of her other films going down the list here, there are not a lot that I, I've heard positive things about. Uh, you know, all of these films, three or less average film rating on Letterboxd to seven to eight to five. Not very good. And the only film I know I'm going to be watching in the near future is Great Expectations from 1998, starring Gwyneth Paltrow, Ethan Hawke, Chris Cooper, and Bancroft, Robert De Niro, Hank Azaria, among others. Uh, and that is because it is on, I believe, Zach's top 200 of the Cine Realists. Great Exp. Yes, it is his 185th ranked film. And. It is a 3.1 on Letterboxd. Um, cursory look at some of the recent reviews it's gotten. Uh, roughly in the three star, three and a half, two and a half star range. And so, you know, again, like, based on these average film ratings, based on projected, uh, av uh, projected scores, doesn't look like she's got much, much to work with outside of the Avengers films. You know, she's not... The last three, uh, everything since 2011 has either been an Avengers movie or bad. <laughs> so you'd have to go all the way back to Contagion to find a strong, a well-reviewed, good movie from Gwyneth Paltrow, which is unfortunate. So it seems as though she might not be too long on the spreadsheet as far as top 10 uh, actors go in September. But, uh, it is what it is. So that's Gwyneth Paltrow, number six, 170th overall. Next up, we move on to number five. <clears throat> she was born September 9th, 1980. The youngest person on the top 10 list for September. Uh, just 27 right now. Or 27 tomorrow, as it turns out. As of recording this, she'll be 27 by the time this episode comes out. Ranked 134th overall, 5th in September. Uh, I have 18 credits for this actress uh, with an average film rating of 67.44. Uh, she has a very, very high density distribution. Three films rated in the 90s, four films rated in the 80s, three films rated in the 70s, three films rated in the 60s, two in the 50s, two in the four, 29 to 25 to 49 range, and one in the 0 to 24 range. She's been nominated for four Academy Awards, but has not yet won. She has a value of 29, which put together gives her a total sum of 140, 100.44, uh, which is uh, pretty good, I would say. Pretty good. One of my favorite actresses, definitely someone I would keep on my top 10 from this month, and that is Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams, uh, four Oscar nominations for Manchester by the Sea, Brokeback Mountain, Blue Valentine, and I believe it was My Week with Marilyn. Uh, all of them, I think, supporting actress nominations, if I'm not mistaken. And she is fantastic in all of the movies. You know, not just those. She's in The Station Agent, which is her highest rated film that she's a part of. Wendy and Lucy, which I actually watched just recently when preparing for this list. I think she is 
heartbreaking in that movie. Uh, Marilyn and Valentine are leading nominations. Uh, Brokeback and Manchester are supporting. And I, I just, it's just, it's tough. I, I, she's, she's fantastic. Take this waltz. I'm not there. Uh, Meek's cut off. Dick. Shutter Island. Uh, certain women. I thought she was good in. The movie's solid. Uh, Synecdoche, New York, um, and But I'm a Cheerleader are her two films right in the 50s. Then you've got her three bad films are Oz the Great and Powerful, Species, and Prozac Nation. Prozac Nation. Uh, So looking at her filmography, you know, I've got 18 credits for her. She has 46 total credits on Letterboxd. Uh, which is quite a few, and I'm not sure. I'm looking here, um, one of them is the great, the greatest showman, which comes out later this year, starring Hugh Jackman. It's a musical, uh, so that one definitely going to be seeing that on the uh, opening week or so, uh, if if possible. I'm really interested in that, but she's got, and she's got like three other. She's got Wonderstruck, which also comes out this year. Uh, on top of that, there's I Feel Pretty from 2018, uh, which stars Amy Schumer. Uh, then there's Annette from 2018, which stars Michelle Williams and Adam Driver, uh, directed by Leos Carax, who was the director of Holy Motors. That's the only film of his I've seen so far, and I love Holy Motors. I think it's great. So that's that could be very interesting. Um, the synopsis is the rise and fall of an intense love story between a stand-up comedian and an opera singer. Uh, so that sounds awesome. And then All the Old Knives, 2019. Uh, Michelle Williams is set to play opposite Chris Pine, uh, which is a romance thriller uh, when two former lovers meet for one meal that one of them may not survive. Action romance thriller uh, from 2019. So she's got a pretty big slate coming up. And those films seem genuinely decent. Uh, you know, probably going to end up affecting her in a positive way. <clears throat> Looking at some of the films to come out this year. You know, Wonderstruck currently has a 3.2 average rating. Uh, on on Letterboxd, and uh, some it's Todd Haynes who is genuinely uh, pretty strong. You know he did Carol, he did I'm Not There, Velvet Goldmine. Those are the three of his I've seen, and I've heard good things. I've heard good things about Wonderstruck. You know the 3.2. You know it's it's a mostly positive ratings. 3.2 seems a little low, but you know the movie's technically not out yet, so we'll see how that ends up going. <clears throat> the Greatest Showman, kind of all over the world with this. <clears throat> uh, you know, it's got a five-star rating, a half-star rating, and uh, again, not out yet. So who's to, know, who's to say? That one, I think, can go either way. Uh, some of her other films who have come out in the recent years are... Not many, as it turns out. Uh, she is not a very prolific filmmaker. Uh, there's Deception from 2008, which also stars Hugh Jackman. It's got a 2.5 on Letterboxd. Incendiary, opposite Ewan McGregor, 2.6. Uh, 
Greed with Natalie Portman is actually just a one-minute short film. So we'll skip that. Mammoth with Gael Garcia Barnal has a 3.2, a little bit higher, so that could be a positive one. <clears throat> Down to uh, just before she kind of broke out, I think, with Brokeback Mountain. Uh, you've got The Baxter, 3.3. The Hot Estate, 3.1. The Hawk is Dying of Paul Giamatti, 3.2. Imaginary Heroes, 3.2. Land of Plenty, 3.0. Um, the United States of Leland, 3.2. So there's a decent chance that she could uh, she could kind of accelerate and push herself even further based on the films she's already got, uh, depending <clears throat> depending on which side of the three that those really land on. Um, but you know the most oh average rating uh, the the as far as popularity goes uh, the most popular film of hers I haven't seen is uh, Halloween twenty eight Halloween H two O from nineteen ninety eight which is supposed to be very bad uh, so fingers crossed for Wonderstruck and The Greatest Showman I really want those to be really good as well as all of her other upcoming projects. I think Michelle Williams is fantastic. Um, you know, Wendy and Lucy is a very small, it's a very uh, subdued and understated performance, and it is just brilliant. She is incredible in this movie, and I think she's incredible in pretty much everything she's been in. She totally deserves those Academy Award nominations. Uh, I would even go so far as to say that I might have picked her to win. Uh, instead of uh, female supporting it, instead of um, Viola Davis, but I didn't have uh... but but by that same token, you know, I also would have picked Greta Gerwig from 20th Century Women, who wasn't even nominated, so slightly different. But that is Michelle Williams. Uh, she is number five in September, number 134 overall. And uh, yeah, definitely someone I would have kept on this top 10 list. Probably would have put her higher, to be honest. I think she's a top three actor from this month. And I'm, I'm always interested to see where she's going next and what she's going to be in. Michelle Williams. Number four. In September, the only person to make the top 10 in December that is no longer living, unfortunately. Uh, she was born in uh, September 29th, 1942, uh, passed away December 3rd, 1999, only lived to be 57, uh, unfortunately. Uh, she is ranked 94th overall, and so we're kind of making some big jumps here. Uh, you know, 134th, Michelle Williams, 94th, Madeline Kahn. Uh, Madeline Kahn, I already said the name, I'm not going to hem and haw, I've seen seven films currently that have Madeline Kahn in them, for an average film rating of 82, uh, far and away the highest average film rating of anyone in the top 10 for September, and there is not a bad one in the bunch, she has two Oscar nominations, uh, one for Paper Moon, and one for Blazing Saddles, and <clears throat> on top of that, I've seen her in a couple of voice roles, An American Tale and A Bug's Life. 
as well as uh, another Mel Brooks movie, Young Frankenstein, uh, the comedy Clue, and the Muppet movie. <clears throat> the Muppet movie just recently watched that the last couple of days. She is uh, is her worst film, but it is still a positively rated one. And so with that and her two Oscar nominations, 19 value for her films, uh, gives her a score of 103. So two and a half points higher than Michelle Williams. Uh, Madeline Kahn, very strong, very, very strong seven films. And uh, she's got 34 credits listed on Letterboxd. And the seven I've seen are her seven most popular on Letterboxd. The next one down being History of the World Part 1, followed by What's Up Doc, High Anxiety, 1995's Nixon, and 1994's Mixed Nuts. Uh, some of these others here that I have heard of, you've got City Heat, uh, The Adventures of the Adventure of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, uh, The Cheap Detective, uh, the 1986 My Little Pony movie. I didn't even know My Little Pony existed that long ago, to be honest. I know there's a new one coming out. I, I had no idea it was that old. I'm going to have to watch that soon. Um, yeah, so a lot of good movies, I think, coming up, still to go, uh, What's Up Doc, very highly reviewed, as well as, uh, she was part of a, I believe this is a documentary, musical kind of live performance, Sondheim, a celebration at Carnegie Hall, uh, is, is well reviewed on here, but again, is very, hasn't really been seen. Nixon, pretty strong reviews, better than a bug's life even, <clears throat> which, you know, I think I rate a lot higher than most, apparently, uh, a film from 1999 called Judy Berlin, uh, starring Edie Falco and Barbara Berry, Madeline Kahn, uh, is right, is the third listed actress. That's got a 3.4. Um, so, you know, I think there's a good, you know, she's kind of precarious. Now, last month in August, there were a lot of very precarious people toward the bottom of that spread of that top 10 list because of low movie counts, because of uh, very vulnerable, uh, average film ratings. And that is what Madeline Kahn is at perfectly. One bad film and she is... Uh, completely off this top 10 list and that is a a huge risk so it's going to take a little bit more consistency to make sure she avoids that but it looks like the vast majority of her films left are all rated lower than all of the films i've seen of hers already Uh, so it's it's going to be tricky to to figure that one out personally um you know, she is, she's very funny. Uh, you know, I, I think she's a fantastic in, in Clue, especially. You know, I think that was probably my favorite and the most recognizable of her, of the roles that she was in. But ultimately, you know, I think she's just, uh, just a lot of, a lot of fun, a very fun actress to, to watch. And so I'm, hopeful that she can kind of hold on for a little while she does have a little bit of a cushion you know if she if some if her next film or two isn't 
necessarily the worst film ever. Maybe it's in the 50s, high 40s. I could definitely see her clinging to the top 10 spot. But like I said, you know, having an 82 average film rating makes those films in the teens and 20s that much more damaging. So Madeline Kahn, uh, sad that she is no longer with us, but uh, we'll continue, I will be continuing to appreciate her films for many years to come, presumably. So there is that. Uh, So Madeline Kahn, number fourth, number four in September, and number 94 overall, Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Moving on to number three, uh, the oldest person on this list, alive or dead, born September 12th, 1931, ranked 64th overall. So another 30 spot jump here, pretty significant movement. Uh, 22 films to their credit with an average film rating of 69.5, pretty good for that many films. And uh, this person fours across the board. Films rated in the 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, and 25s to 49s, four of each of those, as long throw in two films from rated in the 50s, that's their filmography, one Oscar nomination for a value of 36, and a score of 106.5, so three and a half points separate Madeline Kahn from Ian Holm. Ian Holm, uh, Bilbo in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as well as um, the most recognizable Perhaps Android uh, from Alien. Uh, he plays Ash uh, in his best film, as far as I'm concerned, Alien. Uh, then you've got all three Lord of the Rings movies with the sweet hereafter uh, slotting in behind Return of the King, but ahead of the two towers. Fellowship follows afterward. Uh, you got Big Night, a voice role in Ratatouille, Garden State, The Fifth Element. Brazil, which I just recently watched, The Aviator, uh, Hobbit, and An Unexpected Journey. Um, you've got uh, Time Bandits, Robin and Marion, Existence, The Day After Tomorrow, Hamlet, Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire is his Oscar nomination. I think Chariots of Fire is very, very pedestrian, and I don't understand how it won an Oscar for Best Picture. Uh, then at the bottom, you've got The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies, Lord of War, uh, voice role in the animated version of Animal Farm, and bringing up the rear is From Hell. So Ian Holm has had a very good career, particularly in sci-fi fantasy movies, uh, Alien, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, Brazil, Fifth Element, uh, but he has proven that he is a very strong uh, dramatic actor as well in things like Garden State, Day After Tomorrow, which is film I think is okay, and but I do like it. Uh, Lord of War, I don't think is the best, but I think his performance is good. The Aviator, and particularly The Sweet Hereafter. He is uh, just absolutely soul-crushing in The Sweet Hereafter. Uh, that being said, uh, there aren't a lot of films. Of, you know, he's got 95 credits on Letterboxd. Uh, that's a ton. It's has so many credits. And he has really kind of slowed down his filmmaking. Uh, you know, last film he was in was Battle of the Five Armies. That was three years ago. Then two years before that, he was in Hobbit. Three years before that, he was in 1066, The Battle for Middle-Earth. And another two years before that, he was in Ratatouille. Those are his four most recent films, 
and they span 10 years going backward. Uh, so, yeah, he has really slowed down his production rate, and I'm I'm not sure. You know, he's definitely getting up there. He is a solid 86 years old this month, and uh, that's that's uh, you know that's that's a ton, that's a ton of movies, and that's very old. So uh, don't fault him that. You know, I don't know if he's officially retired. But he is definitely definitely has a legacy that he doesn't need to really add to. You know, Ash alone is a role that will will have him remembered for a long, long time. Some of the bigger and more popular, highly rated films of his that I have not seen. You got Henry V uh, from 1989. Naked Lunch from 1991, Another Woman from 1988, uh, Esther Kahn uh, from 2000, uh, and and all these very highly rated, highly reviewed films, uh, Jesus of Nazareth from 1977, uh, The Homecoming 1973, The Wars of the Roses 1965. Uh, going real far back, and uh, plenty of other roles. You know, he was in uh, BBC's King Lear in '98. Uh, but you know, there are just as many films on the other side of the penny. Looking down at the bottom, here. Oh, he's his voice roles in the live action Animal Farm, actually, not the animated one. It's just a voice role though. Uh, his most popular film left is one of the worst ones he's credited for. And that is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, starring De Niro and Brana, directed by Brana. So that's probably one of the one of the ones I'll be watching next, unfortunately. But unlike Madeline Kahn, you know, Ian Holm has 22 films he can kind of rest his laurels on and sort of blunt the impact of a bad film. Uh, he can't do that forever, uh, and so, you know, Strangers with Candy, Alice with the Looking Glass, A Life Less Ordinary, Blue Ice, uh, Bless the Child, Loch Ness, Shout at the Devil, Chromophobia, Renaissance, uh, March or Die, The Treatment, SOS Titanic, The Man in the Iron Mask, all of these are very poorly reviewed and rated films, so... You know, depending on you know what comes next, he he is also kind of at risk there. It seems like it seems though that uh, you know there's definitely. I, I think he's going to be around for a while, particularly on this top ten list. Uh, who knows if he's prepared to you know make more films? Uh, you know, there aren't any new things listed on Letterboxd. Uh, on IMDb, he does not have anything in production, so you know he could be retired, uh, which you know good for him. I think that's totally great, and I, I applaud him for his long career. I think he he's given us a lot of great work, and there's I'm sure more that I haven't even seen yet uh, to come. So. Uh, Here's to Ian Holm, and uh, hopefully seeing him again next year in the top 10 list with a couple more movies added under his belt. Ian Holm, number three in September, number 64.
overall. The top two, top two. Uh, this is going to be a very recognizable name. The person with the most films out of this top 10 list uh, at 37. Uh, this person is ranked 17th overall. Huge gap between second and third. Uh, and uh, born September 21st, 1950, with an average film rating of 66. Uh, this person definitely very top heavy, but has. Uh, succumbed to a few bad films as well. Six films rated in the 90s, nine films rated in the 80s, four in the 70s, and eight in the 60s. Uh, but on the other side as well, four films rated between 25 and 49, and five films rated between 0 and 24. With one Oscar nomination, um, you have a huge gap between Ian Holm at 106.5 and Bill Murray at 120 even. Uh, quite, a, quite a substantial number. Uh, he has 53 points of value for his films, uh, as well as one Oscar nomination for his performance in Lost in Translation, the Sofia Coppola film. His best-rated film is his voice role that he had performed in Fantastic Mr. Fox, and that will start a trend of why he is so highly rated, and it is because of his partnership with Wes Anderson. Uh, Bill Murray has collaborated with Wes Anderson on Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, Rushmore, uh, Darjeeling Limited, The Royal Tenenbaums, um, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, among that might be it. That might be it. Uh, so, you know, he that has been a huge boost to his resume, for sure. Some other films of his that are that are quite good, and that have helped him keep and sustain this high rating. Uh, Ed Wood, his third highest rated film, Zombieland cameo, which is fantastic, phenomenal cameo in Zombieland. Uh, what about Bob? Ghostbusters, probably his most iconic role. Uh, the Jungle Book, the new one, uh, he plays the voice of Baloo. Uh, I mentioned Lost in Translations, Oscar performance, Broken Flowers, I think is great. Uh, Groundhog Day, another very iconic role. Tootsie, uh, as a sort of smaller role with Dustin Hoffman. St. Vincent, Coffee and Cigarettes as himself. Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, go, uh, the, he has a small role in the newer Ghostbusters film. Scrooged, The Man Who Knew Too Little, I thought was very fun, uh, his sort of cameo in Space Jam, uh, and then more recently his portrayal of himself in A Very Murray Christmas, Ghostbusters 2, Wild Things, Osmosis Jones, uh, is a film that I used to watch when I was sick. Finally moving into the mediocre film that he's only been in, which is Caddyshack, I found to be fine. And then some of his bad films uh, include Get Smart, Charlie's Angels, Larger Than Life, uh, an animated voice, Cold Lairs, which I think is a uh, part of uh, the, 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 the Jungle Book special features. He also had a role in the critically maligned Aloha, uh, the title role in Hyde Park on Hudson, not title role, the lead role in Hyde Park on Hudson, the voice of Garfield in Garfield the movie, and then Monuments Men, big disappointment. 
and his lowest rated film, number 37, is Dumb and Dumber 2. At 37 films, Bill Murray is one of just 23 names on this list to have hit the number 37 in their total count. And at 17th overall, he is in a great position uh, going forward. And... You know, he is not far from taking over that number number one spot in September. However, I have seen a ton of his films. He's currently credited with 80 films on Letterboxd. And resorting these just a little bit, uh, his highest rated film that I haven't seen is not exactly a movie. It's more of a short series called Olive Kitteridge. Uh, it's at four hours long, and it stars Francis McDormand, Richard Jenkins, Bill Murray, and Dowd, John Gallagher Jr., Zoe Kazan, among others. Uh, it's got a 4.1 on Letterboxd, very highly rated, uh, but probably only because only people who were very interested and wanted to see it would rate it. I'm also sure there are plenty of people who would not rate it because it's not really a film in that way. I remember reading elements, uh, uh, passages from the novel in college, but I, I didn't ever, it, not much of it has stuck with me. Uh, I just kind of remember the main female played by Frances McDormand is kind of a bitch, uh, very, very cranky, f forcing her way into other people's lives, woman. Uh, so, there's that. Uh, then, I've seen the next 11 movies going down his average highest rating films. Uh, but, you know, he has he's, you know, still a lot of movies to go forward, going forward. You know, next stop, Greenwood, Greenwich Village, 1976. Uh, Nothing Lasts Forever in 84. Um, he's attached to a film that's I think supposed to come out next year, maybe the year after that, called Boo Bureau of Otherworldly Operations, which is a spinoff from the DreamWorks film Monsters vs. Aliens, a movie I'm particularly very fond of. Uh, so hopefully that'll be good. Uh, a movie called Quick Change from 1990. Uh, Isle of Dogs, he is slated to appear in next year, in, 19, in 2018. Uh, perhaps his most popular film that I haven't seen, I would say, is Stripes from 1981, in which he is the lead. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Kingpin, maybe, from 1996. Uh, there's not a lot here that I'm, I'm recognizing. Mad Dog and Glory, De Niro, Thurman, and Murray. The 2000 version of Hamlet. Uh, City of Ember from 2008. Speaking of Sex, 2001. Rock the Casbah from 2015 is very poorly reviewed. And obviously the Garfield sequel, A Tale of Two Kitties, is his lowest reviewed film. So, you know, he's got a wide swath. I wouldn't say there's anything super vulnerable about him. In his position, he's he's kind of stuck in the top ten for a long time now, and I don't see that changing next year or really even the year after that. 
What I like about Bill Murray is obviously his comedic chops. He is in some of the best comedies ever. Uh, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, Ed Wood, pretty much anything Wes Anderson puts his name on. Tootsie, even. Um, Zombieland. You know, and so to see him... And so seeing him in those sort of more dramatic roles, Broken Flowers, Lost in Translation, uh, is is really fascinating. You know, he's he's very, very good in them. He doesn't do them a lot. Uh, he doesn't, uh, you know, flaunt his dramatic sensibilities. He is very much uh, a comedic actor, and I think he prefers that. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of stories about him just doing crazy stuff to random people on the streets, and uh, you know, who knows how much of that is true? Because he himself says that you know, it's it's tough. You know, you can't just like say tell someone Bill Murray came over and put my tie in my drink because who's going to believe you? Except maybe they would because that's what he does I, I don't know you know he's he's such an enigma he's such a strange and fascinating person and which is why i love seeing him in, in all these movies i think he started to lose some of those elements as he's gotten older in my opinion i think in the last maybe five i think everything after Zombieland has really felt he's really felt his age uh you know, he's 67 this month, and, you know, he started to get smaller roles, you know, in Grandpa Best Hotel, very small role, uh, Moonrise Kingdom, relatively small role, and, you know, Jungle Book, just his voice, so it's, 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 it's kind of a, a um, diminishing returns is, I guess, how I would put it. And so it's kind of unfortunate in that sense because, you know, I think he's, I mean, he's only 67. He looks ragged for 67. Uh, so I'm not sure if he's going to be able to kind of sustain this. I, I hope he can. I love Bill Murray. I want him to be around forever. But it does look like the years are really wearing on him nowadays especially this picture they have of him on letterboxd he does not look great in it to be to be honest uh so uh you know looking at that looking at him i i think definitely a top 10 actor for me in september probably a little bit lower on the list to be honest probably somewhere in the middle of the top 10 but you know i can't argue with his his filmography it's absolutely stunning and it's very impressive uh not just against this field but against the entire field of every actor you know 17th overall is a very very good place to be in my opinion so that's bill murray number two in september number 17 overall and finally, our number one actor from September, born September 15th, 1977, the second youngest person on this top 10 list, uh, ranked 15th overall. So just two spots ahead of Bill Murray. I mentioned they were very close. 
uh, with 19 films to their credit and an average film rating of 76, the second highest uh, in this top 10 list, with the rare film rated 100, one of them, seven films rated in the 90s, three in the 80s, three in the 70s, 160, 150, 125 to 49, and two 0 to 24 films. One Oscar nomination, which came two years ago. Yes, came two years ago uh, for his role in The Revenant. That is Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy with a film value of 44, second highest in the top 10. Gives him a score of 121, one point ahead of Bill Murray. Uh, Recently starring in the hit film Dunkirk this year. Uh, Nolan's newest Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Where he plays the flying ace with, I believe, no name. Uh, Tom Hardy is one of my favorite actors going. And I'm trying to remember what clued me into him. Uh, You know, looking at his films, you know, he has really blown up since, I would say, Inception likely. Uh, But I think for me, what really drew me to him was his performance in Warrior. He is, you know, I don't think I even saw Warrior until, you know, I think I definitely saw Inception first, but at the time I wasn't really that familiar with Hardy. I didn't watch Inception for Hardy. It was just a sort of happenstance that he's in it. Uh, But when I saw Warrior, one of my favorite films, it crushed me. Hardy is incredible in this movie. Opposite Joel Edgerton, they play brothers. Um, Just the physicality of Hardy in in Warrior is undeniable. He is an incredibly physical performer. One that has shown again and again just how good he is in anything you put him in. You know, a lot of people like to criticize, you know, his performance in Dark Knight Rises as Bane. I thought, I thought he was great in that. Uh, he has a small but substantial role in Tinker's Tailor Soldier Spy. Um, obviously, his minor role in Inception, I thought, you know, everybody talks about that. Uh, his turn as Bronson in 2008 is great. Um, underseen film from 2007, Stuart, A Life Backwards, also starring Cumberbatch. I thought it, I think it's one of my favorite films of his as well. Uh, you know, obviously as Mad Max in Mad Max Free Road and his Oscar-nominated performance in The Revenant is a huge one too. The Drop is a very solid film, but for me, the film of his that will always remain my favorite is 2013's Locke. Uh, He is the only person on screen in the whole film. You just see his face for 90 minutes And he talks on the phone, he talks to himself, he talks to nothing, and he is electrifying in this role. This is a film that just absolutely floored me. I was not expecting it. You know, it was a film I'd definitely been excited for and been looking forward to when I saw it and when I read about it and the trailers. Uh, you know, he was sick when he made this movie. They, I believe they did three pretty much long takes of the whole thing with 
five or six camera angles and just like filmed him doing this role and running these lines and playing these lines with all these other actors. You've got Olivia Coleman, uh, you've got Andrew Scott, you've got Ruth Wilson and Tom Holland in this movie as voices only. And you know, this is this is this is film, man. Like this is an incredible movie and more people need to see it. It is just he is that good in this movie. So, yeah, like Tom Hardy has totally been on my radar for a long time. And even so, you know, even back, you know, maybe five, six films before this, you know, when he only had 12 to 13 movies to his name, he was in the top 50 already. Like his density was that high. And it's just gotten even better as time's gone on. Uh, Dunkirk, which is his current fifth highest rated film, uh, just moved him up even further. Um, the fact that he's in Madame Max Free Road, which is rated 100 for me, you know, that's a huge, huge benefit uh, to his craft and his credit. Uh, he He's just, in the last couple of years, he has put out some of the best films ever. Now, there are quite a few films of his I haven't seen, that I think would significantly drop his rating. Films like Rock and Rolla, uh, films like Heroes and Demons, London Road, Legend. Um, what's this? This is uh, Sergeant Slaughter, My Big Brother, which seems, looks like a short film. It is. So maybe that could be okay. Uh, he was in the 2007 version Oliver Twist, the 2009 Wuthering Heights. Seems bad. Uh, and then pretty much everything he was in prior to 2007 looks genuinely bad, movie-wise. You know, he was in Band of Brothers, not a movie. But, but yeah, like The Reckoning, 2003, doesn't look that good. Uh, Lethal Dose, LD50, does not look very good. Dot the Eye does not look very good, you know, so all these movies, I think that a deep dive into his filmography is probably going to yield bad results for him. But, on the other hand, if, as long as that doesn't happen in too rapid a succession, so, you know, he's got, he's in Star Wars The Last Jedi coming out this year, um, he is currently credited in this as nothing so I, I don't know what is what he's going to be in last jedi uh, he's got venom coming out next year currently uh, he's got a 2018 film called the untitled ernest shackleton biopic uh, in which he plays ernest shackleton uh, ernest shackleton was a man who led three british expeditions to the antarctic uh, you know, he had a lot of, a lot of trying experiences to say the least in his experience, in his, in his life and his adventures. Uh, he's got a 2018 film directed by Pablo Lorraine, a director of Jackie from last year, uh, called the true American, uh, a Bangladeshi air force officer looking to make his way in the United States is shot by an American terrorist out to kill Muslims in the aftermath of nine 11. Tom Hardy plays, I believe the American terrorist in this movie. 
And then he also is credit. He's also signed on for a 2020 film called Splinter Cell, based on the Tom Clancy video game series, directed by Doug Lyman, uh, director of Edge of Tomorrow, Swingers, Go, The Wall, Jumper, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, Born Identity, Fair Game, and coming out later this month, American Made. Uh, Doug Lyman. I've seen most of his films, almost all of them. So, hopefully. You know, presumably Star Wars is going to be good. Uh, Venom can go either way, and who knows about the rest of those movies? Still, way too far out to tell. But I am a little scared. You know, I mentioned this last month with uh, what's their name, um, Casey Affleck. You know, when you're at the top, you only have one direction you can go. And I think the same is just as true with Tom Hardy, if not more so. You know, he was in a lot of pretty shitty movies when he was younger. You know, Star Trek Nemesis, The Deserter. Uh, You know, these are movies that I've never heard of or that I just know by reputation as being really bad. EMR, uh, it looks also really bad. You know, this this is not... I don't know. This does not seem great for him going forward. Uh, but he's he's crafted and uh, carved such a great and strong niche for himself already that I think you'd be hard pressed to uh, to find enough movies to drop him out of the top ten at the moment. Uh, particularly once you compound them with one like if 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 Last Jedi is as good as I felt. Force Awakens is, like, that'll counteract three bad movies, probably. Uh, and and Tom Hardy is very a very good actor, even when he was younger. So, you know, that in and of itself can mitigate a lot of the lowest ratings. You know, if he can just keep some of those films from dipping below 25, uh, you know, that'll be a huge help. Huge help. So, Tom Hardy, uh, you know, watch him, watch his eyes. His eyes are, really it's his eyes is what he, that's what he acts with out of everything else. So I think he is definitely someone to keep an eye out for. Uh, Really could continue, you know, even after last year's, after 2015's Oscar nomination for The Revenant, I just only see him moving up, like rising up higher from that point on. Uh, so I, I'm I love him. I love everything he's done. I love everything he himself has done, not necessarily the projects as a whole. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a huge fan. I love him. He's great. So number one in September, number fifteen overall, Mr. Tom Hardy. Uh, and so let me just kind of run up these top 10 list, this top 10 list once again, uh, just in more concise fashion. Starting at number 10, Patty Considine, Bonnie Hunt, Cool Breeze Reeves, Toby Jones, Gwyneth Paltrow, Michelle Williams, Madeline Kahn, Ian Holm, Bill Murray, and Tom Hardy. It's a pretty strong, pretty strong 10. Uh, you know, Tom Hardy, Bill Murray, Michelle Williams, uh, Ian Holm, probably the one, definitely ones that would stick in this top 10 if it were by personal preference. I think a lot of these, 
Uh, you know, Madeline Kahn just does not have enough films yet to warrant being up there. But, you know, a lot of these people would probably drop out for some of the waiters in the wings, as it were. So, uh, yeah, that's that means that there's a lot of a lot of opportunity to to change this top 10 list to come next year. Speaking of top 10 lists, uh, something I've just instituted and added to the circleoffilm.com website is a new page for uh, top 10 month-born actors. Now, as I've only done March through now September of 2017, there's not a lot to go on just yet. But once we get it, once we finally start to uh, roll over into the second version of these top 10 lists, there will be a little bit more of a statistics bend to it. We'll be able to see who has the staying power. Uh, I'm going to go into a much more deeper, detailed analysis. And I have to re-listen to a lot of these episodes because I'll need to figure out what everybody's ratings were at that time, uh, how many films I'd seen from them, just to kind of track uh, whether or not I'm watching enough films from these people over the year between when I put out these two lists. So, that being said, you can find all that stuff at circleoffilm.com. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can head over to, uh, you can direct all of those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. Uh, and if if you like what's going on here, if you want to support uh, the the show or myself or, you know, whatever, uh, you can check out patreon.com slash circle of film to see what kind of goals and rewards are in store if you are uh, that good natured. And as always, have a week. So long, She'll never leave me Even as she fails